The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Why is shame such a powerful emotion? How does it affect us mentally, physically, emotionally? I'm Nadia Davis. I'm a mom, author, attorney, and kundalini yoga teacher who has experienced public shaming that brought me to my knees. On this podcast, I'm going to tell you how I'm living the work taking shame out of the shadows. I'll give you real-life advice and skills to take away with you throughout your day. You'll hear from powerful guests who have overcome trauma and emerged stronger than ever. You too can ban the shame within and around you. Join me. You are not alone. Hello, everyone, and welcome home. Welcome to a place where we learn that we all deserve a safe place to share, cry, and be vulnerable. And we know that if you can't find that place outside you, you can create a space within. I call it home. And it's something that I hope to teach my children um, through their own mindfulness practices. And today, as the sun is like right in my face, it's kind of apropos because Diego could tell me the angle of the sun and whatever else might be blocking it at this very moment. I am interviewing uh, my oldest son. It is his third. And so I encourage you to check out episodes three and five. In episode three, he talks about his quest for truth in, in his way and a lot of other things that are just great. And then in episode five, he mentioned how he thinks that the first step on any healing journey is like tapping into innate curiosity, something that we all have, that that curious child part of us um, can be the stepping stone to kind of diving deeper or simply practicing um, mindfulness in any given day, maybe saying, oh, I wonder how many thoughts I'm going to have about my cat or whatever it might be. Um, if, if there's more serious things and, you know, you're going through heartbreak or something, um, that innate curiosity can be a tool to create some mindfulness. And so I'm super excited that Diego is here because the last time I talked to him, he was sharing with me his excitement about his astronomy class and his study of exoplanets. And so, Diego, how are you? And what on earth are exoplanets? Hi. Um, I'm doing good, first of all. Um, college has been great. Uh, I've been like pretty busy, but it's I would call it good busy because I'm doing things that I really love. Um, you know, I'm midterm season, uh, and um, I'm going to be doing uh, research next quarter with one of my professors, um, and uh, I uh, exoplanets. Uh, we're we're observing them. Oh wait, wait, hold on. Hold on. Say more by the semester being um, stuff you're doing stuff you enjoy more. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? It means uh, I'm involved in classes and activities, and I'm surrounded by people who uh, and what are aligned with my interests and my my goals. Um, 
and I'm I feel like I'm I'm putting myself in a place where I uh, have a lot to learn and the most to gain. Um, I've been learning more and more and more that um, uh, just asking can really get you a long way. So um, joy to you or enjoyment now in school means um, what I'm hearing is like connection and um, connection with, with people that have similar interests and also support for your interests. Yeah. And, and also the, the environment and the classes and the topics being discussed are all, I, I would also use the word alignment. Everything is aligned okay. with, um, with what I want to be doing. Um, and the things that I value. So, yeah. So, yeah. So that, that's a really good point to make that, you know, enjoyment and at this time in a 20 year old's life that to really fully be present and enjoying it, that, that friends, classes, subjects have to align with, with who you are and what you're interested in, um, be in alignment and, so you're feeling like you're more in your element. You're allowed to embrace Diego and who you are. Yeah, I think or, that's a good way to put it. Okay. Yeah. That is awesome. Okay. I wish Do you want you, me to, you, sorry. Yeah. If, if, if there's anything else you, more you want to share on it. I mean, Diego worked his butt off. He worked so hard in high school, and of course, I want to brag here. But I mean, he did all accelerated classes. He had many different college acceptances, um, opportunities, and offers. And when he walked on the campus at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, it was the feel of the school and the ambiance um, that was there that kind of helped him make a decision. And yet he's a physics major. And so his first couple of years have, you know, were things like calculus three and a lot of uh, just straight out numbers that, you know, I guess you, we, were you seeing how it would apply to astrophysics? Um, and so did it give you patience during that time? How did you like in general get through the less directly related classes? Um, I mean, all of it was a baseline and to an, excuse me, to an extent, I like have to get through those classes. So part of me was like, oh, uh, it's a part of the journey, you know, it's a, um, a natural sort of progression. Um, and I also was teaching myself like, or I, I kept reminding myself, like, think of this boring equation but the numbers mean something like the numbers are real numbers or something like that and so oh, like abstract see. ones and so that would help me a lot is so like, like if it if they were mm, applied to something that you're studying like you're going to mm-hmm. tell us you're studying now yeah. okay and so and did, you know, did that come from you or did the teacher kind of no, say I, you just I have mean, faith sometimes it it's it's the teacher does a good job of uh bringing up those connections um, but oftentimes I, I just have to remind myself. Um, That's great. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, sometimes the connections aren't as obvious, but like mm-hmm. when I look back like a year later and I'm like, oh yeah, like I do remember that thing from that class or like, I do know about that. It's like suddenly it, it kind of uh, contextualizes everything and, and brings me back at least after the fact, it helps me appreciate it at the least. So he's talking like required classes prereq. So mm-hmm. math versus applied math is mm-hmm. what he's getting into now. And so to to walk through the the grin and bear it of the actual math, the hard stuff, you kept telling yourself um, and you had faith in the fact that then later you were going to apply it to to much more interesting stuff. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Okay, so what are you applying to, to now? What are these exoplanets? Where you took that picture of you in front of a telescope? Um, he sent he sent me a photo, and it was so cool to see it. 
it was just so, so cool. So tell us about that. So I'll start with what exoplanets are. Uh, exoplanets are a term for any planet that uh, exists outside of our solar system. Um, and so we're, we're great at cataloging everything within our solar system. Like we know the eight planets, we know all the comets and moons and asteroids and whatnot. But once you get outside of our own solar system, mm-hmm. things get a lot more complicated uh, okay. and a lot so more mysterious. Diego was talking about things outside our solar system. Mm-hmm. How often does do we think about things like that? How often does the average person driving on the freeway or getting up and taking their kids to school think about the fact that there are planets outside of our solar system? And question, does that put the slow driving car in front of us into perspective? Does that, I mean, this is like surreal. So I think, I think a question that a lot of people think about Mm -hmm. is, um, do aliens exist or are we alone in the universe? Those are kind of two of the same question and discovering and then trying to learn about planets outside our solar system is like one of the most direct ways that we can begin to answer that question. Um, and so I think the average person, if they know that planets outside our solar system exist, might pause for a moment and wonder, you know, there is a possibility that life out there exists or, or there's more to our universe than we may think, or um, there's still a lot we don't know. Um, You're passionate and so interested in space that you have an ingrained level of mindfulness, in my opinion, and and perspectiveness. And I remember you said, you know, uh, you said science is, um, inseparable from spirituality was something you said in philosophy, but, um, this type of science, like this type of literal fact that there's these planets beyond our solar system that are being studied, like in it of itself can provide a source of spirituality and mindfulness, the unanswered question, yet the curiosity in all of us to know what on earth is out there? And are there other living beings? Just tapping into that, I think, can be a source of mindfulness in a meditation to yeah. then slow it and then observe whatever thoughts are coming in. Just that. At least That's for all- me. Yeah. Yeah. At least for me, those kinds of like big existential questions or like thoughts that I have in my head will sometimes like trivialize whatever issue I'm dealing with at the moment. Like if I'm annoyed at the traffic, (laughs) I mean, obviously I can't like conjure this thought up. Like sometimes it just happens. Sometimes it doesn't, but occasionally I'm like, you know, like in the big scheme of things, this is a blip in my life and a blip in the universe. So traffic doesn't really matter that much when you think about it. (laughs) Uh, so the, how the, do you, yeah. How, yeah, that's, that's, that's a good example. I know we're getting off the subject of exoplanets, but you can use it for the same thing. Mm-hmm. So you have this, like, not only innate curiosity, but this innate perspective. And how do you think, um, you know, you're, you're doing it like that? You'll just suddenly think of what you're studying and, and it'll put something in perspective. Sometimes, um, I think being like in the environment that I'm in really helps a lot with that sort of thing, because I'm like reminded of space, like all the time, like Mm -hmm. for the average person, the best reminder of space every day may be the moon in the sky, but that's like such a mundane thing that you're not really thinking about like the scale of everything at the same time. And most people take that for granted. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and so, I don't know. Um, sorry, my headphones are dying, so I have to plug them in. That's okay. So, okay, is this exo is this exoplanets on in your astronomy class? 
yeah, so that's a good example. Um, I can talk about exoplanets, but also I'm, I'm literally observing them. So uh, in my astronomy class, uh, we have a little observatory on campus. Uh, that's where I took the image that I sent to you, the picture. Um, and uh, it's, a, it's a decent telescope. It's uh, strong enough to uh, look at stars, like dim stars. Um, decently dim and uh my project for that class it's a project-based class but also lecture is to um observe an exoplanet and so mm -hmm. the way that we do that is um when an exoplanet passes in front of its host star uh it blocks a little bit of the star's light uh kind of like a like a solar eclipse from mm -hmm. the earth's perspective it's like that um Obviously, the solar system has to be straight on from your perspective, like from Earth, to see that. Mm -hmm. But if we see the dip in the light, then we can determine that an exoplanet is there. And then we can do things like, oh, like when does the next dip of light happen? We can figure out what a year is for that planet. And then the size of the light dip, we might be able to figure out how, how big the planet is or something like that. And from there, you, you can determine all these cool little things. Oh my gosh, it's blowing my mind. And so when you said the star, when it's going in front of its, its mm -hmm. star, so are there more than one stars that you guys are looking at with more than one set of a solar system in that galaxy that you're looking at? So what our understanding is that most, if not all stars, I don't want to say all stars because there are probably some that don't. Mm -hmm. It's very common to find planets orbiting stars. Each star has its own solar system. And um, so that's been like a huge revelation in the... So, so folks, yeah. every star and the ones that we see looking up at the sky at night, each of those are stars. Mm -hmm. They're not comets or other things necessarily. Unless right? uh, and each it's, star... It's complicated, yeah. ...has planets that are encircling it. Mm-hmm. And so we're so far away, we, we don't see that or realize that it's just the light that has traveled. Yeah. And so. I, I mean, it's, it's literally, it's so far away that you couldn't even just like the star is so far away. Our sun is shaped like a ball, right? It's a big rotating ball in space. The star is far away enough that it just looks like a point in the sky. There is no shape to it. There is no like way we can resolve uh, like how big it is just by looking at it. It's just some light. It's a point of light. And so the only thing we can do is, is look at the nature of that light and whether that light changes for the most part. There are other things we can do. but And, and so... How are you through a telescope? You're looking straight at the stars, and mm -hmm. and and you're seeing if it changed. And explain that. The star will change. Okay, we have these machines that read very very precisely the amount of light that we're receiving from a star. It's like it it it. it okay. It, it uh, turns the this sort of uh, abstract thing into a number. It, technically, it's not abstract. It's the number of photons, but yeah. Um, and so we can be very precise. We can look at the, the number of photons, this number, and we can watch uh, as that number decreases or increases. Um, it's not something you can see with the naked eye. You have to use instruments because of how far away it is. Um, and this is through a telescope? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so and that number shows up, and, and there's a variety of numbers, I assume. Over time, yeah. Mm -hmm. And do you know when a star will be blocked or... Right. Oh, and that's how long thing. does it last? And 
um, depends like, on the planet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so if it's a star that has never been observed before, or it's not in any database, then you would just have to get lucky. You would just have to look at the right star at the right time of the night and observe it for long enough to notice the, the change in light. Um, that's so you kinda, have yeah. picked eight star that mm -hmm. you're observing. So, so our star, we already know an exoplanet exists around it. It's already, we, we used uh, catalogs as a reference, okay. like established, published data. Um, so we don't have to do the work of randomly finding a star in the sky and then observing it because that okay. could take way too long, like way too long. Um, but there's people that are doing that. People do that as their job. Yeah. I okay. mean, yeah. Um, we're here to just uh, go through the process and, and follow the steps. Do we know how many total of exoplanets have been discovered? It's in the thousands right now, okay. uh, but it's rapidly growing. Uh, the problem was for a long time, it was really hard to observe them um, because exoplanets are much, much, much smaller than their stars, right? Um, I mean, even our sun is, is an excellent example. I believe that in our solar system, let me double check this. So folks, that is, I'm sorry, I'm saying folks, yeah. but this is in my head, the most grounding spiritual fact that anybody can use to begin some mindfulness is, is this sheer science that when you look up at the sky, at all of the stars, those in and of themselves have planets going around them. And that is the like infinite number of possibilities in this infinite universe that we've barely, barely tapped into in our own space research and exploration. And anything else is interpretation in our head. And everybody has a different mind, you know, a soul and a different body. And I'm just suggesting when you sit down, if you're trying to meditate, just kind of pretend like you're looking into our solar system. And then there's all these other stars around with their own planets going around it. And know that that is a fact that cannot change. It's these unknown questions. The planets are out there. And then you're sitting inside your body with a mind that has variations and feelings and thoughts and all kinds of things. That is one way to have mindfulness. Is to not take any given thought as fact because it's interpretation. I don't know if that made any sense, but um, this isn't about God. This is about science facts. And I think it's helpful. Okay. So there's over thousands of exoplanets. And so have you made one your friend? <laughs> We've made two our friend. Oh, really? Um, yeah. So I, I couldn't tell you their names offhand. It's typically a sequence of three letters and then a bunch of numbers. They're not very inspiring names. Um, like I think one is T-O-Y five different numbers after that. What would you name it? Oh, um, you can tell me next time. Yeah, I'll get back to you on that. Um, we're going to name it. Are you asking me what they're like? Cause we know a little bit about them. Sure. Uh, the TOI one in particular is, has, we have some good data on it. Um, it's a uh, exoplanet called, we, we call these types of planets hot Jupiters. They're like really big um, uh, planets. They're gas giants, uh, mm -hmm. very, very close to their host star. And so they block out a lot of the star's light, but they also uh, go around the star. They orbit it uh, uh, very quickly. So like over the course of mm -hmm. a few days. So it's very easy to observe them. 
because the change in light is is big and they repeat their cycle very often mm-hmm. and so this is it's a big old gas giant probably larger than jupiter um and uh it for this planet let me double check if it's so you were able to already um assess based on the numbers of the photons mm-hmm. how large it is and is uh, that no I'm, I'm i'm using uh uh established data okay. for my for my reference right now but yeah. how did they get they got to it from these instruments mm-hmm. in the telescope yeah so they measure the photons astronomers are really <laughs> smart about learning as much as they can from as little as they have. Um, yeah. Okay. So. Wow. The, the planet Based is on called. patterns yeah, and what they've seen yeah. before. And yeah. Okay. So the, we haven't thought out of the box necessarily. Of the established. Uh, it's, it's constantly changing. Um, one of the biggest drivers for like new techniques and and change and new discoveries is bigger and bigger telescopes. Um, with the launch of the James Webb telescope, the new one with the, the, the like hexagon mirror thing that maybe you've seen. Mm -hmm. Um, it's like the next Hubble telescope. It's going to replace it, be like the biggest new thing. Anyway, Mm-hmm. With that telescope, um, astronomers have already developed a new technique involving exoplanets. Um, that telescope is strong enough to look at the uh, light reflected off of the atmosphere of those exoplanets. Not um, just the star not itself. Not just the star itself. Okay. And from that, we can determine the, the chemical composition of the, the atmosphere using the light. Wow. Yeah. Just the, okay, explain, say more, and then I'm going to ask you a different question. So you mean the way the light moves, um, the density, like, like how, how, so what do you mean? When light passes through material, this is like crash course physics. When light <laughs> passes through material, uh, it, uh, it can be absorbed by the material depending on what the material is, um, certain wavelengths of light. And so when you, when you take like a, you know how sometimes you'll like hold a prism up to light and it'll show this like rainbow Mm -hmm. spectrum. So we do that, but with, uh, oftentimes light we can't see. Right. And, um, uh, some that we can't see, but when you pass that light through an object, or through a gas or a material or something, uh, the the uh, object or the material really likes or gets excited by some of the energy because light is a carrier of energy, right? Energy affects matter. It's like heating up your stove. Like that energy has to come from somewhere um, uh, or, or like a mirror on a hot day, right? That energy carried by light affects the material that effect we can then see because the energy doesn't reach us it gets absorbed by the material so you'll see this big wide rainbow this this spectra and there will be black lines in it they're called absorption lines and so depending on on the lines because each material is different every single atom or element has a different set of lines it's very helpful oh Um, wow we can determine like, okay, there's a, there's a lot of oxygen in this atmosphere. There's a lot of carbon, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. That is so cool. So you've studied those light reflective patterns and and, and which material it is, what it would look like. That's a well-known. So once we discovered that that was a, a thing that light did, we cataloged every, I mean, we, we, we have, it's well established. Yeah. Okay. So, the human body and the materials it's made up of, we would literally be able to see um, the the photon reflection, or we see it all the time, of human body deflected light, right? 
Like, would would we be able to look up or know what what we are, how how light re- how light reflects off of us? So so the light would have to pass through us, and some of its energy would have to be absorbed by us. We emit our own light. Uh, that's that's what uh, infrared is. So if is. we were being observed, it's possible. I mean, I'm yeah. just trying to put it out that that we come from we were made sorry mom's gonna get all all infinite here but we come from that light like we are made from this stuff that diego is studying out there in space there was light and it moved something or deflect reflected off something and somewhere along the way the human dna or the life on our planet came to be. And so I just think that that's the one given truth of our, of our true selves that anyway, so if there were materials that you can map out on the, on the reflections, you would know if the planet has the proper materials for living for life. So that's the next that's step. Okay. Um, it's it's hard because an ex- like the existence of certain materials doesn't automatically guarantee that life is there. We can get an idea. Where mm-hmm. I think what we're trying to do currently, this is like cutting edge research. It's really exciting. Um, astronomers are trying to find what are called like biosignatures. We use Earth as a reference, and we say, okay, what elements exist in our atmosphere that wouldn't be there without life? Um, And so I could be wrong on this, but I believe oxygen is a good example of that because it's it's highly reactive. um, And unless replenished by some source, trees or plankton, for example, living things, some mm-hmm. some some chemical reaction it will kind of deplete on its own to a certain level um and so if we were looking at another planet around another star and it had high levels of oxygen in its atmosphere we could then say that might be a sign that that there's some chemical process happening there which could be life mm-hmm. um and so that's where we are right now yeah that's just fascinating this is fascinating. Okay, with knowing the bigger spectrum of reality that you're studying, that your eyes are on, and that these whole groups of people are are investigating and looking into, when you think of you and your peers, um, how do you feel about the world today? That's a that's a big question. Uh, how, how do you how does you your generation how do you feel about the world today, and you know, you know what do you wish, you know the people that do care about you and and try to help what do you wish that they knew about your concerns with the world today that isn't understood. Uh, I, uh, the world itself, uh, I think has a long way to go, uh, until we're all happy. Um, I think that's a given that most people can agree with. Um, but specifically, I think a really practical way that we can start to get there is uh, if 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 people did a little bit more research on uh, what they like to talk about, um, or rather, you mean on your generation? What what you? I I mean like I mean everyone. Um, I think if everyone 
was a little more educated on the pressing matters of the world and on social issues and on a little bit of science. Like I think climate change is a good thing people could understand, like the science of that. Um, I, I think a bit more of that would do everyone a lot of good. So are you saying you're, you feel that the world in general is, is, um, is detached from the real issues they should be caring about? No, uh, I think people care. Um, I just think it's really easy to, uh, to want to argue for something out of, uh, like, like a personal attachment to that thing rather than, a like true understanding of the situation it's really easy for people to be reactionary to events or to uh political stances or to um policy and and things like that and i think i think if 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 everyone it's a it's a lot easier to quantify in terms of things like climate change Mm -hmm. but if we wanted to go into the realm of like the queer community, LGBTQ rights, which is a big problem, you know, a big pressing thing for people of my generation, then I think a little bit of sociology or psychology could help the average person to understand like, like what is gender? Like why is gender on a spectrum? Uh, What is gender dysphoria? Uh, What happens when someone is not provided with gender affirming care? Just little things like that, that I think could go a long way to help people uh, contextualize like what is what is exactly going on and what the debate is on in the world. So one concern that you have when looking at the world is that in general, there's a lot of um, apathy, misunderstanding, um, judgments made on lack of information. And um, is that is that what I'm hearing? I think that kind of sums it up. Yeah. Okay. And so, so when you're feeling, when you're thinking about the future, um, if I asked you, how do you feel about the future um, with this, um, say it in a nice way, with, with this judgment-based society that isn't educated enough about the real humanness behind these issues, um, how do you feel about the future? So you're saying you wish that people with strong opinions about those matters, climate change, LGBTQ, um, would educate themselves more. I just wish that people in general would educate themselves a little bit. Yeah. Or not have a judgment at all. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. Mm-hmm. So... So that's a wish, but you're, you do think that you and your peers, I know that's a loaded question, kind of just feel that there's a lot of uninformed. Yeah. Makers. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. Um, I, I, it's, it's, it's a, the fact that people don't know about certain things is like a driving factor of politics in the United States, I would say. That's so interesting. Or rather the denial of things is um, and and do you think you and your friends kind of think the same that i've met i met people from a variety of different opinions i mean um, think that like our generation needs I, to be more I informed think, i yeah yeah say it yeah i i think before making an opinion yeah yeah inform, for sure inform I, ourselves more I think informing oneself and asking more questions, just being a little more curious about, especially with about yourself, about people, about ask yourself generation. Why do I think that way? And where does that come from? And then extend that to, to what other people say or, or what uh, numbers say. And I think that could take people a really far, a really long way. I, I don't have like anything against anyone in particular. If anything, I only have pity for. So, but yeah, yeah, that's all. 
So if I say what worries you and your peers the most, it would be, would it be opinions it, made on lack of up, information? Yeah. To sum it up, it would be to say that the future of my generation is in inept hands. Yeah. In what? Inept hands, inadequate, okay. unexperienced. Yeah. And that's the general feeling, you think? That's the general feeling, I think, yeah. Wow. And so, what do you wish um, parents would ask you more? You know, to ask you to look your generation in the eye and say, what's really going on instead of have a label and a judgment. Um, is, are you saying that there's a worry about an ineptness and uninformed set of decision makers in general in the world? So what would be the solution I, aside from educating ourselves and asking questions? You know? I would say to an extent it's it's okay to have those sorts of harsh like judgments or initial like reactions i think it's a very human thing to do and no matter how much you uh actively try and work on it it still will come up it's it's just we are kind of reactionary creatures by nature so uh the most important thing is to just recognize that that's what's happening even if you're not willing to then take the extra step and question why it's happening, at least acknowledging it is a good place to start. Um, so what do you wish parents would ask or know? Is one thing to consider. And then what do you wish leaders would ask and know? You can answer part or all of that in general, and we can talk more about it in the future. I think with parents, um, whenever your child may do something that's like unusual to you or unexpected or maybe even something that... Uh, uh, you you don't like or or like some sort of behavior or whatever you find unacceptable it's complicated you know whenever something like that happens that triggers that judgment within you always ask yourself always assume that there's more going on in that kid's head than you probably think and there is always some underlying reason some some like thing that you can uh uh like trace back from that point that you can then say okay this is really what caused this which then caused my reaction i think addressing that root sort of concern is um, emotion yeah so I, 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 this is not from my own life, knock on wood, but um, I, I have one or two friends, close friends of mine, that um, this is, I think, a thing I've seen a lot just in general, where um, some uh, young adults, once they get to the point of um, uh, self-sufficiency or independence, will uh, break off contact with their parents as a result of childhood trauma or bad parenting or not having ever recognized their children's identities or something like that. Um, and so oftentimes the reaction from the parents, from what I've been told, is like very reactionary. It's like, mm. it's like, oh, personalized. Like, it's personalized. Uh, but typically it's, it's like, it's uh, against the child. It's like, I took care of you. I put clothes on, you know, on you and uh, 
took care of you under my roof and and uh and uh you should be grateful and this is immature and etc shaming yeah shaming. it's 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 shaming and also it's not it's it's not focused on the source of the problem which is the parent the parent should be asking why did my child feel the need to do this right it's never like again the child kids learn i mean kids through adults to an extent like you make bad choices as you learn but by the time you're an adult and you make that decision it's usually an informed one um especially because it's very hard to do something like that this is not to say that it's easy for someone to make that kind of choice on the kids end i mean they care about their parents too even if they were abusive to them and so it's 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 complicated and 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 so the, the parent instead of being this reactionary instead of jumping to this reaction probably one that they've jumped to before which is uh, an invalidation of the child's feelings right. and why an invalidation of why they were feeling that way right not yeah so there's no inquiry yeah. into what is really going on mm -hmm. that's the opportunity is to dive in and say what what's what's really going on I, what's happening here did i cause this mm -hmm. what can i do to change that um it's it, for some you know it's it's uh it's definitely a moment of catharsis or or sorry catharsis is not the right word of crisis mm -hmm. and so that moment can either lead people to digging themselves in a hole mm -hmm. where uh it's like self-victimization mm -hmm. or uh external blaming or whatever i don't have the most eloquent term for it you know um or uh it's it's a moment of that offers an opportunity for self-reflection exactly yeah it's uh, relationships are simply opportunities to get triggered and to use them in a way where if you are triggered it has nothing to do with the other person it's up it's their their story their situation but if you're triggered it's brought up something in it's you, you and it's yeah. an opportunity to go within and say okay what's coming up and i need to dig deeper now that will prevent projecting projecting whatever's going on onto the other person. But something that was a really interesting conversation I had with Priya was she was saying, um, you know, age does not determine um, emotional awareness or, mm -hmm. or spirituality. The age doesn't. And so your reflection on, you know, and your generation on the leaders or the parents is very interesting because there's a difference between self-absorption, self-centeredness versus self-awareness. And so the more self-awareness that we have, that we grow, whether 90 or whether nine or nine months, nine, you know, um, really will determine the, the reaction. The, the more self-awareness that there is, um, the more when someone says or does something, let alone your child, um, you, you can not project what's going on within you and instead use it as an opportunity to get closer to your child or a peer. Um, and all of that self-awareness, all of it. Absolutely. Mindfulness. Yeah. So you wish that when somebody does something quote unquote unusual or unacceptable um, that something that triggers <clears throat> triggers you as a parent that mm -hmm. that you should or you you should do your best to try to reflect on your own time what came up first and then secondly use it as an opportunity to to get deeper to to know what was the cry for love 
anything anyone does is either an act of love or a cry for love. And it has nothing to do with necessarily you as a parent. First, acknowledge what the child is crying for. Yeah. You know? Then then we can get into a place where, where we can hear the truth, which may be painful things. It may be needing to own up to wrongs and, and things, but it has to start. It has to start with seeing the child or seeing a peer as a whole entire being and, and not allowing oneself to get triggered. Cause that's, Absolutely. that's you know, that's a very, very critical decision for someone to make. And, and I applaud you for supporting your friend. Okay. Anything else? Um, <laughs> great that question. You, do, you, do you have anything in mind? <clears throat> no, I just wanted, I just wanted to thank you for, for giving that, that thought and that, that advice mm-hmm. and, um, just thank you so much. So we heard everything from mindfulness through exoplanets, through give, giving us perspective, through some advice, should a child in particular do something unusual or that we are deeming as unacceptable. It's like dig deeper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I appreciate your honesty and I love you. Everyone, please check out the audiobook and the free band shame tip sheet. There's a lot of learnings in there. Okay. Thank you so much, Diego. I love you so much. You are not alone. If you are dealing with shame and trauma, please reach out to me through my website, nadia-davis.com. You can get a free band shame tip sheet and find out about upcoming events. I'd love it if you picked up my book, Home is Within You, wherever books are sold. If you like this podcast, please tell a friend, leave a review, and make sure to follow me on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sending warm hugs. What is it you really want in life? No matter what you've been through, you can still achieve it. I'm Sandra Ann Taylor, and in my Energy Activation podcast, we'll explore the science of manifestation, and I'll give you specific techniques to shift your energy in order to make your dreams a reality. I also do live energy readings, and you can be a part of the show by emailing your questions to me at sandrataylor.net. Join me on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.